0: Hey, this week, um, this week we were supposed to talk about the Valley Gate, and I just did not feel like that was the direction that we were supposed to go. And so I want to talk today um, about something different, and um, hopefully I heard from God here. But you ever just feel like God wants to establish, stop, and just establish something once again um, as a church, as a body? Um, You are part of Gateway Church. You are part of a movement that God has called us together. He named us. He wants us established in this region. And sometimes we need to be reminded of why we gather together, why we're here, and why we are called Gateway. Is that all right if we go back a little bit, maybe stop a little bit? I got the mic, so there's nothing you can do, so... If it gets really bad, I have my car running right out this door. I can run out, jump in the car. You won't catch me, so I'm ready. So, But uh, a number of years ago, uh, I, was, I was at a, um, a meeting, and I got a prophetic word. And it's important you understand the power of the prophetic word. It's so important. I want to encourage you to get around people that they—you know, the prophets are a little strange. I may know some strange prophets out there. If they're not strange— They're probably not prophetic, so just get over it right now. Uh, But they're like giraffes. They get up into the higher realm, and they hear things, see things, that oftentimes we don't see. We should honor the prophet. We're a nonprofit organization, but we're not a nonprofit organization. You understand? And what's happening in 2020, they threw the prophets under the bus. We didn't throw the prophets under the bus, by the way, because not one good thing that Yahweh has promised his people will fail. It will all come to pass. Everyone, everything will come to pass. The prophets are right. I declare that. And so when we get prophetic words, sometimes we get prophetic words for our church. Sometimes we get prophetic words individually And if we don't fight for those prophetic words, we'll lose. See, the Bible says, according to the prophecies once made about you, fight the good fight of faith. So if you don't have the prophecies, you don't have the bullets to fight. So it's important that we get around prophetic people. Now, I know they got some fascinating shows on Netflix and HBO that we should You know, definitely need to get hooked on and watch every one of them. But take time to get around the prophetic words. Get around prophetic people. And then write those down. Go back over them. They will give you the the tools to fight, to, to believe. We have some very prophetic, not pathetic, prophetic people in our midst. And it's important that we pray. And so one of the prophetic words over our house was that we would become the house, a house of Obed-Edom. Everybody say Obed-Edom. I love that name. Can we have another baby, honey? I said such nice things tonight. Hey, little Obed-Edom, come here. Come here, junior. Obed-Edom Monahan, right? All right, we got grandkids. All right, maybe not. All right, wasn't that good. All right. And the prophecy is that our church would be like the the house of Obed Edom, we would be the place where the presence of God would be. And I want to talk about that story because it's part of our DNA. It's part of what we're called to. And I want to kind of go back to basics this morning and we'll start uh, we'll go back to uh, the gates and start continue our series in a, in a few weeks. But let me start this morning with how the house of Obed Edom started because we are called to be the house of Obed-Eden. And let me hash that out a little bit. David was the king of Israel, and David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Uh, There was a season of time where the Ark of the Covenant was was in a place called Shiloh, and then it was uh, stolen by the Philistines, a a, a group, an army, an enemy, and then they got it back. And the presence or the Ark of the Covenant was not in Jerusalem, and David had in his heart, "I want to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem," and that was that was on his heart. So he gathered thirty thousand people. Like that's that is the population of Richmond. If you can imagine how big that is. Hey guys, we're gonna we're gonna all gather together. It's gonna be a huge worship celebration, and we're gonna celebrate with music and. And drums and guitars and and we're gonna march this Ark of the Covenant from Centerville back into Richmond, thirty thousand. I mean, we're gonna rejoice. We're gonna and this. So this was on David's heart was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into its resting place because God had called forth the city of Jerusalem to be His dwelling place, to be the place where where God said, "I will meet with you." That's where He wanted. To bring the R back. And it says this in 2 Samuel. If you have your Bibles or your phones, uh, 2 Samuel, it's right after 1 Samuel. You have learned this in Bible school, just a little technique. So, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Corinthians, 2nd. That's how it goes to the Bible. That's really helpful. You're welcome. And it uh, says this it said, David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. Now, wouldn't you love to see a church that was celebrating Jesus with all their might? I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Next week, celebrate with all your might. And there was dancing, there was worship, and they had this worship leader whose name was Uzzah. And it was a bad day for Uzzah because as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant Out of the place where it was to bring it to Jerusalem, they had it on a cart, just like the Philistines had it on a cart when they returned it. So they just assumed, let's put it back on a cart and we're going to we're going to roll this thing seven miles to Jerusalem. Well, the cart, the oxen stumbled and the and the ark began to tumble. And Uzzah, like a good person, reached out, took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. That's in 2 Samuel, verse 6. And then it says in verse 7, Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the Ark of the Covenant. How many of the worship service probably went to a new low about that point? God kills your worship leader. Not a good plan. Are you guys getting a little scared right now? What happened? And we'll explain what happened, because there's a reason why Uzzah died. Uzzah was doing a good thing, but because they weren't following protocol, he died. And this is something maybe people don't understand when they read this, but then it says this in 2 Samuel 6, 8, 9. It says, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out. David's trying to do a good thing, and his worship leader ended up dying in the midst. Sorry, Mike, a terrible sermon for you today. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So here we are. Here's the ark. How many have done something with all their might before, believed it was God, set up to do it, and something horrible took place? <laughs> uh, maybe one or two of us here, right? You're like, man, this is going to work out. It's going to be great. We're going to gather 30,000 people. We're going to we're going this thing all of our might. Next thing you know, poof, who's the dies? And you're like, I'm done here. I just put my all into this thing, and whoa, what, this is a mess. God, this is a mess. I'm done. I'm angry, and I'm, I'm done. You can leave the ark here. Well, guess where David left the ark? At Obed-Edom's house. Come on, don't you want to say that? Go ahead, say it because you want to. Obed-Edom. La casa de Obed-Edom. Okay, for your Spanish speakers. You're welcome on that one. <laughs> don't laugh too bad. I wasn't that bad, was I? But what happened to him that day is he got the fear of the Lord. We have to follow the protocol that God calls us to follow. There may be things on our heart, but we may not realize that we're doing it, and we're not following God's ordained plan or his path, and things fall apart. And sometimes we're like, God, why did that happen? And we have to come and revisit our motives. We have to revisit the plan, we have to revisit what's God's heart in this. And it says this in 2 Samuel 6:10, talking about David, he said he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed Edom the Gittite. What happened is, is David said, Forget this, I'm done. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to try to bring the presence of the Lord to Jerusalem. I, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what happened. And I want to talk about what then took place. And I want to talk a little bit about what the Ark of the Covenant represents. The Ark of the Covenant. This is fascinating. God gave Moses the plan for the Ark of the Covenant on Mount Sinai. Gave him the plan. He put it together. And this was called to be the meeting place for man and God to meet together. Aren't you glad you have a God that wants to meet with you? Every one of you personally. He wants to meet with you personally every single day of the week. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily relationship. And if I, as a, if I could pastor you today, the most important thing for you to develop in your walk with God is that personal devotion time with Him. Every day, some time in the Word of God some time praying, we have, uh, you know, gateway prayers that we have, we can give you that so that you can learn how to pray and declare, but that's the most important thing because a strong church is made up of strong people and people who have encountered the presence with God, and the Ark of the Covenant represents the meeting place of God and man. Initially, the meeting place was in Eden. Eden was the meeting place of God and man. But because of sin, because of their disobedience, they had to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And then God created the Ark of the Covenant. And he said this in Exodus 25, 22. He says, there above the cover between the two cherubim, over the Ark of the Covenant law, I will meet with you. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. The God of the universe says there. Now, why can he meet with us there because of the blood sacrifices that are made on that place on that cover it's a covering how many know that to come into a relationship with god we need forgiveness we need the blood of jesus we need to experience his forgiveness to come into that place and the blood of jesus does that very thing so jesus now is our new meeting place between god and man Jesus became that meeting place. You guys follow me so far? So um, we go ahead and we see the Ark of the Covenant. That represents the presence. And this is what David said. I'm going to leave it here at the house of Obed-Edom. And it says in 2 Samuel 6.11, The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. How many want their household to be blessed? His entire household. And what the prophetic word that I was given for this church is that what happens here will be noteworthy nationally. That was the prophetic word. Can you come into agreement with that? What happens here, just like David suddenly heard about the blessing that was over the house of Obed-Edom, He said, I got to have what they have. But what did Obed-Edom have? You know, you can prophesy things, but if you don't get in line and line yourself up according to the prophecy, it won't happen. Prophecy in the body of Christ is to give you direction. It doesn't confirm that it's going to happen. It's a marker that we shoot for. It's something that we go after. It's the reason we fight. So, if you get a prophetic word, we got to fight for it. We got to push for it. It's not just going to happen. You guys with me this morning? Wouldn't that be great? Some prophet says, You're going to be, you know, like David got a prophecy. You're going to be king of Israel. How many know that just didn't happen? He had to spend a number of years getting spears thrown at him. At any moment, he could have just walked away from it. It was hard, it was difficult. What What did they do to Joseph? Joseph had dreams. He had prophetic dreams. What did they do to him? They threw him in a pit. Pit stands for pastor in training, by the way. <laughs> right? Betrayed, tricked, you know, sold into slavery, and, and, you know, prison after prison. And finally, before he gets to that place of authority and power, we got to go through the pit. We got to go through that training time. What kept Joseph going? The dream. What kept David going? The dream. If we don't start putting this stuff before us, it's not going to happen. Because it's a fight. We have to declare it. Continue. Press in. Say we're not giving up because we're called to be a house of Obed-Edom. 2 Samuel 6.12. 6.12 is my wife's birthday, by the way. Now King David was told the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom. And everything, is, everything he has. I mean, his chickens are blossoming. His daffodils are blossoming. I mean, his, his refrigerator is blossoming. Everything is blossoming in the house of Obed-Edom. Why? He had the Ark of the Covenant. He had the meeting place with God. He had the presence of God in his household. You want a blessing over your household. You bring the meeting place of God into your own house. And watch his blessing come. People will begin to notice the blessing over your life. That's what the presence of God brings. But if we don't invite the meeting place of God into our own houses, the blessing's not going to be there. And your friend, when I talk about blessing, I'm talking about you just know what's going on. You're getting direction in your life. You're giving words for people. You're praying for the sick and they're healed. You're seeing breakthrough financially. You're seeing uh, people who are lost come to Christ. We, we're seeing encounters happen because we're in the right place at the right time because we're listening. We're not following you know, some doctrinal uh, you know, plan or some church growth plan or some you know, seven ways to a better. We're, we're following the Lord. And we need to listen to the voice of the Lord. And we need to bring. We need to become all of us individually, corporately. We need to become houses of Obed-Edom. Can I tell you what uh, Obed-Edom means? Obed is a Hebrew word which means to serve or to worship, and this is uh, this is a picture of uh, Obed is a is a servant. It's it's the Hebrew word for uh, servant, and then Edom means red or, uh, it either means red or red earth. So uh, Adam, Adam in the Bible, his name is, you could actually call him Red. My dad's name was Red. They would call him Red because he had red hair. Well, God called Adam, hey, Red, what's going on? Because he was brought up from the red clay, the red earth. You guys follow me so far? And red is a very powerful color. But Obed means servant. Edom means earth. So Obed-Edom means a down-to-earth servant. You know, we named one of our motto here is to be full of heaven, Gateway Church, full of heaven. Encounters with God. Angels. You're seeing angels. You're having dreams. You're being translated to foreign countries and preaching the gospel. You're being translated to foreign countries and preaching the gospel. That's happening, by the way. Some of you go, what? I didn't even know that was on the menu. (laughs) Friend, I've been to Africa, okay? The witch doctors are doing some stuff that you wouldn't believe me. And I thought, if you guys can do that stuff, watch what the kingdom of God can do. Come on. Stuff is happening. Why? Because we're full of heaven. It's biblical. How many know Paul was visited by an angel? That's in the Bible. Anything God has done anywhere? Anything God has done at any time? Anything God has done through anyone? Why do we say that? Because we've seen some cool stuff happen. Paul was translated into heaven. He couldn't tell anybody for 14 years what had happened. He couldn't even admit it was himself. There was a man, what the heaven? I may have been the heaven before. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. You can go to heaven without dying. It's a realm. It's a place. We're full of heaven. We're called to be full of heaven. But what I love about Obed Edom is he was a down to earth servant. You hear the difference? Gateways called to be full of heaven, but down to earth. People get us. We know when we need to stop talking Christianese and we need to stop and get off our agenda and start listening to people. We have to sometimes realize people just need stuff. We were, we were out evangelizing two weeks ago. And I'm just paying for something, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, you know, I just pay for something. All of a sudden, this woman's like, freaking out because she doesn't have her credit card. And she's got kids there, and she's like, did you take my credit card? She's talking, she's like, you know, grilling her child. Did you take the credit card? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay. So I was like, okay. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm from Gateway Church. Here's our card. I'm going to pay for your groceries. Have a nice day. Right? Because we're down to earth. And I'm like, I'm here out doing the work of the kingdom. I could have said, hey, can I pray for you that God will miraculously pay for your groceries? I mean, that would be great. But you see, God, God honors that. He honors when we just say, okay, I'm here. Like, I didn't have, I could have waited. To, I'm here. This is the event. This is what needs to happen. It's so, okay, Lord, here we go. Let's see what happens. Because we're down to earth, right? We're realizing that God wants to use our faith, and sometimes it's not super spiritual. I mean, I've been great. I have a prophetic word for your three kids, and I can tell you your dream. No, they need help right at this time. So we step into that role because why? We're down to earth. Obed-Edom, a down-to-earth servant. You are from the house of Obed-Edom. You are down-to-earth servants. Amen. So David begins to hear, what's going on at Obed-Edom's house? Everything he has. Everybody say everything. Amen. Everything he has is blessed because he has the presence of God. And David's like, man, I don't want my worship leader to get killed. I mean, some pastors may think that, but, you know, not. I, mean, <laughs> I love you, my God. What sin did you commit to be sent here, bro? I'm trying to figure it out. (laughs) It's good. Um, It's funny. So David, he decided he was going to bring up the ark of God. He was going to do it again. You understand? This is the season where what you stumbled in and failed in in the past, God's telling you, do it again. Get over that fear And do it. It's time. Oh, but I failed. I look like an idiot. It helped you. It gave you some humility. There was a little too much of you the last time you tried. Come on, right? You learned from it. Learn from the mistakes that you made. But do it. God's called you. He's given you a dream. You're called to do it. You have to be obedient to what your commander says. If your commander says, go fight in the mountains, and you go to the beach, you're not gonna get any resources. I'm just saying. I need resources. I need heaven's resources. I need what God has for me. If I go where He calls me to go, He will provide. But if I'm gonna say, oh, the last time I went to the mountains, it didn't work, I fell, I stumbled. This happened or that happened. Try again. Yeah. You see the presence of God. You see people's everything they have is blessed. I want that. Yeah, right. I want it. Yeah. I'm willing to go through it again and put myself aside and say, God, I want to see this happen. This is what it says. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obedidim to the city of David. Okay, and this is in verse uh 2 Samuel. No, first chronic, no. Here we are. 2 Samuel 6:12. Put that up, please. I want you guys Oh, he went from the Okay, so David went. We're going to re- read this together. Here we go. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with Rejoice. with Rejoice. with Rejoice. So it's important that you start getting happy right. about what God's called you to do. He's called you to be obedient and joyful. Grumpy doesn't work in the kingdom. Grumpy's not a fruit of the spirit. All right? Do it joyfully. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Even if you have to laugh like an idiot, I do this all the time. I just walk around my house, go, ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> I do it all the time. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm thinking I am going to strangle somebody here in the name of Jesus. Instead, I just go. <laughs> um, so what happened? How many got some dreams that they've let go of because they failed in the past? Come on. Right. How many are ready to say, you know what? I'm from the, I, I'm, I'm from the house of Obed-Edom. we got to make this thing work. We're going to make it work. And we're going to do it. With rejoicing, so this is what happens. First Chronicles 13, three and four, um, it talks about bringing it back. I'm sorry. First Chronicles fifteen thirteen, and this is David. He talks to the Levites. The Levites were the priesthood. He said, "It's because of you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us." So, when you start to bring the ark back uh, to what God's called you to pick up first thing you do is find somebody else to blame. No, don't do that. I'm sorry. Bad idea, right? That won't work. That's what David did, though. He's like, yeah, you, Levites, you're the problem. You didn't. Now, David was in charge. David didn't follow the word of God. They were never called, the ark of God was never called to be carried on a cart. That's the way the Philistines did it. The way the world did it, they put it on a cart. So, hey, that's what we'll do. Not a good plan. You'll kill your worship leader if you don't follow the the protocol that God said follow. And he said to this, we did not inquire of him of how to do it in this prescribed way. Everybody say prescribed. How many know that God has a protocol? He has a way of doing things. And he says, and the Levites carried the ark of the Lord, next verse, Um, Ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. So the problem, the reason Uzzah died was not Uzzah's fault. You'd think, dude, the Ark of God's going to fall. It's going to shatter. Then what are we going to do? He was like, oh, I'll stop it. And he died. And so that would have never happened if the leadership said, we're going to follow the prescribed way. And we're going to, there's little holes on the side of the Ark of the You stick the poles through. Everybody carries them. No worry about the oxen stumbling because no oxen are carrying this thing. So let me tell you, we may, when we pick up and do it again, we may need to realize, okay, Lord, where did I do it wrong last time? Show me so we don't have this mess again. So there's three things that I want to point out that they did wrong. Number one, they tried to follow the way of the world. The Philistines put it on a cart. They said, hey, we'll do it the way the world does it. The world doesn't understand how we do stuff. We ask the Lord for his direction and his help. I have a good friend of mine, and occasionally he stops by the church here because he works in Indiana. He will come by and he will, he will say, Chris, don't tell anybody this, and he will open up a piece of paper and show me how much money he's making. And I'll be like, Wow that's pretty cool. And he goes, yeah, they always ask me how I do it. And so they actually uh, brought me into their big, big wig meeting in some place where you'd win a trip to Hawaii, which he wins all the time because he's always making the most money of any other person in his group. And he said, you need to show us what you're doing. So he went into the board meeting. Everybody's all suited up, dressed up. He says, this is what I do. I pull into the parking lot of a, of a place where I feel like the Lord tells me to stop. And I pray and I say, God, Give me favor. Give me the right connection. Show me what to say, what not to say, and what to offer. In Jesus' name, I walk in, and I get ten times more done than your organization here that has five people working for you when it's just me. That's what, And they're like, get out of here. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. I tell everyone what we do here is like a mountain dangling on a piece of hair. I have no idea how it works. And not to make excuses. We can grow in things. We need to learn how to grow and become better at what we've done. But we can't do things. We will not do things the way the world does them. Number two, we're trying to control what God is doing. How many know if you try to do things the way the world does, it stumbles and falls. And you have to grab hold of what God never wants you to try to control. Because God is not controllable. If your God is controllable, he isn't God. He loses his God license. So we let it go. And number three, we try to take publicly what, is, what has not happened privately. That's key. We are developing our own personal meeting place of God. You have a God who wants to meet with you on a daily basis. And Jesus, I'm telling you, when you read the word, it's like reading with Jesus. Jesus. It's spending time. Let the Son of God talk to you, walk with you, counsel you, guide you. His Spirit is upon you. And then when you go to prayer, go before the Father, you and Jesus pray to the Father. And you see breakthrough. You have to see yourselves as God sees you. That's See, God created the Garden of Eden. And guess what happened in the Garden of Eden? The Lord came and walked with Adam. This thing was never meant to happen without close relationship with your maker. It was never meant to happen that way. And Satan got in the garden. And you know what the lie was? Satan said, if you eat this, you'll be like God. Now where's the lie in that statement? You are already like him. It's The lie that Satan tells us, if you do this, 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 and this, you'll be like him. When in fact, we can rest that we're already have been created in his image. That's the truth. That's the scandal that a lot of people never get over. They think that they were, oh, we weren't like God. We thought we could be like God if we just did this. No, dummy, you already are made in his image. Did I just say that? come on that's that's the scandal we have to believe it's nothing i do that makes me like god it's how god created me it's what jesus has done for me you know it's like anything you know god can't relate to us unless we're like him now we i'm not here to be worshiped only the father and his son jesus are to be worshiped that's okay that's biblical but we're made in his image I'll tell you what, think of it this way. If you gave birth to a cockroach, could you have a relationship with the cockroach? It would be pretty awkward, I'm just going to say. How do I love this thing? It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. God created you in his image so he could love you. He could kiss you. He could hold you. He could relate with you. You are made in God's image. You don't have to do anything to become like Him except rest in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Amen? It's good news. That's good news. So, we have to become down the earth servants. We have to bring the ark of God into our house. We have to be obedient. And it's interesting, uh, one of my favorite authors, Asher and Trader, he's a Messianic Jew in Israel, and he says this, in the Hebrew, the root word for worship is Obed. It means both work and worship. When they say in Hebrew to work, they're saying to worship. What you do is worship. And when you worship, it's work. Worship is work, you know that. When we come here... We have a duty to worship the Lord. It's a joyful duty. It's a glorious duty, but it's our duty nevertheless. We're called to be the temple of God. When Jesus said, tear this temple down and I will rebuild it in three days, he wasn't talking about a building made of stone. He was talking about a temple of skin called the body of Christ. It's you and I. We are his temple. The first thing that happened when Nehemiah came to Jerusalem is they had already built a temple, a place to worship. That's priority. When you come to Christ, you then become a temple, a place where God can meet with you. Isn't that good? Jesus is your Ark of the Covenant. He is your meeting place between the Father and you because of the blood that he shed for you and I. We are his temple. And what happened is when Nehemiah came, there was a place of worship. And he said, this is, a place, this is a disgrace. Why? Because there's no gates and no walls. How do we build the walls and build the gates? Through declarations, through praying. We begin to establish walls around us and gateways so that the enemy can't just come in and rush into our life at any time and destroy us. You can get to that place in life because of your declarations and your prayer and your faithfulness is that you can be under attack by the enemy and not even know it because the walls have been built and the gates have been established. That's, what, that's why it's important we see our life not only as just a place of worship as a temple but also as a, a, a life that we have invested in and established the walls and gates around our life. Something happens. And when we talk about worship and work, work and worship are parallel thoughts. Worship implies both spiritual adoration and submission to authority. So Obed, Edom, it's a worship servant. It's a down-to-earth servant. Someone who knows the importance of worship and knows the importance of work. But let me finish with this thought. You guys okay so far? Here we go. That rivers flow from your worship. Whenever we establish the presence of God, whenever we establish a meeting place with God, water begins to begin to flow from that place. And guess where those rivers go? They go out into our community. They go out into the the destitute places for the poor, for the hurting, for the broken. Why, Why here at Gateway can we have an influence? Because first and foremost... We're a place, we're a house of above Edom. We're a place of the presence of God. And from that place, rivers will begin to to flow from that place. Just listen to a few verses here. In Ezekiel 43, it says, Then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was coming from the east. And the sound of his coming was like sounds of many waters. And the earth shone with his glory. When you develop a place of a meeting place with God, the glory and the waters begin to flow from that place like a river into the world. You can get excited anytime, anytime. Okay, I know you're holding it back. But what did David do when he when he saw the blessing on the house of Obed-Eden? He said, "I want that." How many want that? Everything he has is blessed. So David had to learn some things. He had to get his protocol right. He had to follow the word of God. We need the fear of the Lord in our lives. We need to do things the way God says. Not try to be people pleasers. Not try to be famous. I tell people I might be famous, but it may be after I'm dead. Who cares? Right? We don't need to be people pleasers. We need to be God pleasers. And what happens is is when we begin to be a God, I'm here to please God. I'm here to follow him, obey what he tells me. His resources come to my life. People say, how how did that happen? We're a mountain dangling on a piece of hair, but the Lord provides. Amen. (laughs) Well, what did David do? So he goes back. He gets that ark, takes it off the cart, says, we're going to use poles. And he puts the poles on the Levites. They're making sacrifices. And what is happening? Now, remember, from where they were taking the ark to Jerusalem was about six miles six or seven miles. Can you imagine that David danced six to seven miles? You asked me to jog six to seven miles. I'm like, come on. How about dancing for six to seven miles? I believe revival will break out when men start dancing. Can I do a mic drop right now? I'm a dance. I could, I'll, I'll dance anytime. Every time, a, every time we get a donation, a big donation at the hunger relief center, we're like, <laughs> we dance, you know, say, uh, okay. So David learned something. He learned something. Second Samuel six, 13 says, and wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his mights, so not just dancing. But it's with all of his might. Everybody say, all his might. All his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts. Come on, let's shout. Woo! Okay. And the sound of trumpets. Woo! Okay, that was pretty lame, but. So, imagine this is six to seven miles where, where they're like, you know, Woo! Yeah. Six to seven miles. I mean, that's, that's a good weight loss program right there, baby. I mean, that's, that's a lot. But they wanted to do it right. They wanted to have in Jerusalem what was happening at the house of Obed-Edom. Yeah. Yeah. And to get it there and to get the presence there, we have, you have to follow the protocol. Yeah. And that means that you're going to offend some religious people. I was thinking of a story of Bill Johnson, and he, um, you know, Bill Johnson leads Bethel School, Bethel Church in Redding, California. It's where my son goes to school. I think Micah's brother goes there, or has gone there. Um, My son Daniel is actually, I don't know if you guys knew this, he has actually been hired at Bethel Church as their catering director, their chef. So he's pumped. That man can cook, too, I'll tell you. Um, But he would never tell you, like, he's got, like, Bill Johnson calling him, I'm like, shut up like really so i love bill johnson when heaven invades earth how many have read the book when heaven invades earth okay please read that book that will that's such a great book so but bill johnson he had this dream one night that his his hands were like flaring in the dream and he, everywhere he go he go to church and his hands were, were like this and he would walk to the grocery store and his hands would be like and he'd be like oh lord what's gonna is this what's gonna happen to me And the Lord said, would you willing to allow me to manifest in you like that for 24 hours a day if that's what it took to bring the presence of God? So we want things to look pretty. We want things to be acceptable by society. Then we're compromising his presence. It will be attacked if we follow what the Lord's saying. We have to embrace that level of persecution. And if you can't embrace that level of persecution, you can't, you won't be able to stand. It's coming, okay? And when I say, you know, well, I'm talking about not being martyred necessarily right now, but the rejection that you, oh, you guys are a bunch of religious fools. I tell people, we already believe that some Jewish guy rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. We already believe it. Like, just accept the whole thing. It's already crazy. If you think about it, we, so you guys gather together and worship some guy that died 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, pretty much. We do. So if his presence comes on you and something weird starts to take place, let it go. Just let it happen. We have to accept what, what the Lord wants to do. David put on a linen ephod and he danced. I mean, it's kind of like dancing in his underwear. So next week when we're gone, no. (laughs) What happens when the pastor leaves? Oh, my God. Just following the scriptures, Lord. (laughs) Don't do that. Anyway, okay. So (laughs) as the Ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, Michal, or Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from the window, and when she saw King David leaping, and dancing before the Lord, right? So he's like, exactly like that. That's a good dance move. You understand? He's, he's, like, he's into it. He's dancing. He's leaping. And she despised him. That is part of what it will call for us is people will mock us, reject us, and laugh at us because of our zeal for God. But that's a sign. That's also a sign that we're doing it. When revival breaks out, friend, let me tell you, if it's not persecuted, it's probably not revival. If it doesn't offend at least somebody, it's probably not revival. Now, I'm not all into fruity, nutty, flaky. I mean, that's okay for cereal, not for church sometimes. But if it's the Lord, I'm not touching it. I don't care what it looks like. If it's the Lord, if people are flailing, if it's the Lord, who am I? Okay? We, ad- we address things here that we don't think of are of the Lord, but if we think they're the Lord, we're like, do it. Let it happen. M- Michael rejected her own husband. And what does it say? P- and, when she conf- and she confronts David. She confronts her husband. She says to him, in Second Samuel, Ooh, how the King of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. Huh. <laughs> she was mocking him. Huh. And I love what David says to Michael. He says this, and he doesn't back down. Come on. He doesn't back down. He says, bring it on." He said, honey, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel, and I will celebrate before the Lord. In fact, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. I love that. You thought that was bad? You don't understand where I came from. He chose me. I didn't deserve it. I was a heavy metal, drunken fool who God encountered one day in my dorm room. I don't deserve to be in front of people talking about Jesus, but he chose me. And because he chose me, if you're embarrassed because of my behavior, you haven't seen nothing yet. Because I love Him. And I'm not ashamed.